Welcome to the Learning Leadership Podcast. My name is Zach, and welcome to week uh, week four, and we're on chapter eight and chapter nine. Uh, our topic is business research methods, and uh, we're going by the book of the same name by Pamela S. Schindler. Today, we're talking about uh, IT systems. We're talking about mergers, and I think I'm uniquely qualified to talk about this. As a graduate from Southeast Oklahoma State with an aviation professional pilot, um, I've had uh, going on a couple days, it'll be 17 years of uh, military service to the Air Force as an Air Force pilot. Um, I also fly for uh, a major legacy uh, United States air carrier. And so I think I um, have a little bit of insight to share in the conversation about uh, IT mergers, specifically with the Continental United Airlines merger that occurred about a decade ago. Uh, as you know, uh, after deregulation and the late 70s, um, all the different airlines have gone through uh, numerous different mergers. And uh, the one that I'm talking about here in uh, Chapter 8 is Continental United. And so uh, Continental um, merged into United Airlines and was sold uh, under the United Airlines uh, logo for branding and things of that nature. And so we had to do ticketing. They had to do ticketing conversion. They had to do, um, you know, set up a system for air traffic control. Um, it, it's a problematic thing when you're, you're merging airlines. How are you going to um, track these different flights, where they're coming from, their arrival times, their departures, the flight numbers and all that? And the funny thing is, um, the question is actually a little inaccurate. I mean, it's interesting from a business standpoint, but that is an off-the-shelf uh, type of uh, service that's provided either by Sabre or Microsoft or one of those computer program companies. And uh, one of the nice things about a merger is, it's basically carte blanche for an airline to go out and spend a ridiculous amount of money on upgrading uh, multiple systems because a merger is to become a bigger fish in the pond. I mean, the big fish that uh, for air for air carriers in the United States are uh, America, uh, sorry, American, Delta, and United, and these were made up of um, you know American was uh, has, gosh has had had so many different mergers, but the latest latest one was U.S. Airways. Delta had North uh, Northwest, and so every time this happened. Uh, from a business standpoint, it gave the uh, the airlines the opportunity to invest in a better system. But uh, I think the intention of the, qu- the question is to decide how would we design a research uh, method for uh, figuring out these different things for tracking um, flight information. And this is a coordinated effort. And, and these are complex things because the airlines aren't actually doing the tracking. They're not following the aircraft transponders throughout the system. The airlines don't pay for radar coverage throughout the United States. That's a Department of uh, Defense, Department of Transportation service. Your tax dollars go to pay for those services. The airlines are not about to shell out that kind of money. So um, that's a system that the that the government already puts in place in, in federal programs. And the airlines uh, basically have to pay all these different fees in order to uh, use uh, some of those services. And then off the shelf providers come up with ways of tracking it. But if I was tracking this, basically, I would have to design an experiment that would be able to work in all conditions. Um, the thing that I think about, um, you know, from a business school standpoint and from an aviation background is FedEx. You know, FedEx motto is the world on time. And a uh, little known fact about FedEx, um, when they first got the ball rolling um, with their company, they only did one flight. And everyone kind of looked at FedEx like, wow, this is, you know, um, you know, a, col- uh, a university dropout. He's you know, starting this business called Federal Express is not even a federal company. And they're bragging about all these, um, you know, services they can provide. And they've only flown one aircraft. And, you know, the founder, uh, Fred, was basically uh, under the impression and the, kind of the driving force for uh, 
you know, more funding uh, from a venture capitalist to get FedEx off the ground, literally, uh, was saying, hey, we, we already have a system. Now we just have to extrapolate it. And so for an IT system like this that tracks all these data, you got to find you got to take what works and then take the next step. Um, and there'd be a lot of different uh, programs you could use FedEx, Sabre, to, to name a few. Um, there's actually fewer than you think that are out there that can actually do this kind of service. But if you were going to design a new system, it's going to have to, you know, take all the best of what these current systems use, and it's going to have to interface seamlessly into the Department of Defense, Department of Transportation network that, um, you know, follows all these tracks um, for all these uh, different airlines, all their flights, all their information that they're picking up on radar. Those are services that are not operated by the airlines but uh, our federal programs and all that information has to uh, synthesize and go to a source and it has to do a seamless transition, kind of like we talked about last week with the uh, LAX merger um, when they took uh, and Delta took different terminals and they had to do this process seamlessly over the course of about uh, less than a week. And uh, it's really important to make sure that the number one thing is when you're tracking flights and people's lives are literally in the hands of um, researchers and analysts and people in the IT thing that uh, you're tracking these things seamlessly. Uh, question number nine, uh, we're talking about uh, planning and to interview shoppers uh, in a shopping mall uh, for increased food prices, a federal government program that's increasing food prices. And um, we're talking about the ways that we might motivate shoppers to cooperate in this survey. And so, um, you know, my background, uh, my small business, is uh, creating uh, jobs for veterans. Um, you know, veterans kind of have a disadvantage in their protected status when they're trying to get um, employment outside the military. And I help them with their interview process. And so one of the things that I, I do is help you with interview prep. And if I was going to interview people, I have to appeal to their <clears throat> good nature. And so a shopper, um, you know, what do they want? They, don't, they just want to go in, they want to get their groceries, they, they want to get out. And so how do we motivate them to cooperate in my survey? And so what I would do is I'd look at the calendar and say, hey, what's the nearest uh, big event that we have? You know, considering the survey is done in America, what's the, you know, the major holidays? Like right now it's February, we've got Valentine's Day. So um, you could put, a, if, if, this, if this was a new program that was coming out by the federal government, it was happening soon. Well, then what I would do is I would have a big advertisement for, hey, you know, five minutes of your time to, to do this survey and a free box of chocolates. Hey, who's not going to want to take that deal? Um, and you could do that different times of year, St. Patty's Day, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas. There's always something that you could do to motivate people uh, in that way. And the nice thing about um, it's not an additional uh, purchase price that the grocery store has to go out of the way in order to receive. You know, it's something that's already in their inventory. And even better, if you know that the... Um, you know, it's uh, something that's going to be going. Um, I mean, you want to follow it ethically. You don't want to sell people products that's going to, um, you know, go bad before the actual big event. But, you know, if your hot dogs are going to be, you know, done by the end of July anyway, and it's July 4th, well, heck, you know, why don't you just uh, go and, and get, you know, two packs of hot dogs and, you know, two packs of buns for anyone who wants to sit down and, and do a, a survey. You know, the inventory needs to be pushed. It needs to be sold anyway. You know, you're going to sell a lot of these buns. You're probably going to. And if you do that, you'll probably, you know, get the the combined service of people buying food stuff. They're going to buy drinks. They go, oh, well, if I'm going to have a hot dog barbecue, I'll need, you know, charcoal briquettes. I'll need drinks. I'll need, you know, uh, napkins and silverware. Um, 
potato uh, cold slaw. I mean, there's there's lots of different things that could be incentivized. The the grocery store could benefit not only from the survey, but for the increase in sales. And you know, it puts um, you know the grocery uh, customer, you know, kind of at ease because it's like, wow, this is a great this is a great service. I love shopping here. I love how they're interested in you know me as a person and how federal government could increase food prices. And here's what they're doing, you know, to you know, take an interest in me and, you know, hey, I got this, you know, maybe a free pie right before Thanksgiving. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. And I think that would be, you know, an ethical and a very motivational way of getting shoppers to cooperate in a survey at a grocery store.